If you have your Bibles, you may want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Our devotional thought today is really going to be a combination of Bible reading, a little bit of teaching, and a little bit of praying. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus begins by instructing his followers, don't be like the hypocrites. Now, a hypocrite isn't just somebody who messes up every once in a while. The idea of a hypocrite, it goes all the way back to ancient days and actors where one actor might come out with a mask on that has a smiley face and share some humorous lines. And then that very same actor would go backstage, change his mask, but this one has a frowny face and he would share some sad lines. And so that idea of being a mask wearer but not really being genuine. That's the idea of a hypocrite, somebody who wears a mask, somebody who's not genuine. When it comes to prayer, Jesus says, don't be hypocrites. Don't, for instance, pray for show is the first thing that he says. Don't pray because you want people to be impressed by what you say. And as somebody who prays in public, somewhat frequently, I I know, I mean, there is this temptation to pray in a way and not primarily focus on God, but, primar- but then start to focus on what are people going to think about me. So you're image creating in the middle of making, of sharing a prayer with God, which is really kind of spiritually perverse. But Jesus, don't be a hypocrite by being, by praying for show. And he said, don't be a hypocrite by praying babbling prayers. You know, don't think that because you repeat yourself or you say phrases that are not meaningful, that somehow God is going to be really impressed because you just keep praying. Listen, it is more spiritual to pray a one-word prayer than a 10-paragraph prayer that could have been stated in one word. Don't be a hypocrite. Okay, okay, Jesus then begs... Well, then the next obvious question would be, so how should we pray? And with that introduction, Jesus prays the model, a model prayer for us. This is not a prayer to be just for recitation. It is a model for the way that we ought to pray, an outline. And so he prays. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now let's break down that prayer and walk through it and pray through it together today. First, I love that Jesus says, address God as Father. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. There's a wonderful combination of ideas there. Father, intimate, close, personal, Holy, which by definition means separate one. Pray to God as the one who is both over all and holy, other, holy in character, holy and distant in authority, and yet, uh, um, and yet close and yet imminent 
as well. Intimate. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now clearly, we need to pray for God's will to be done on earth. But today, there's a lot of confusion about what this means. In some circles, it's fashionable to use this part of his prayer as, a, as an entitlement for us to pray for a utopia on earth. Um, some people would use this as justification for trying to overtake the government or trying to overtake the systems of this world and say, well, God said, may his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and therefore we need to, you know, use political force to make it happen here. Isn't that a godly thing? It never seems to work out quite the way that those well-intended people hope. And it makes sense if all you focus on is the second phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But look at the full phrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The first question you have to ask is, where, what is what's God's kingdom? Where is God calling for his will? What's the prayer for his will to be done? God's kingdom is his people. God's kingdom is anyone who calls him king. His kingdom is established. Today we would talk about his kingdom being the church. There's a sense in what this prayer is, is... It's, it's not, Lord, may we, may worldly kingdoms be your kingdoms as we use force and power and fear to make them like you want them to be. It's a prayer of humility. God, may your kingdom come in us, in your people. Because if we're honest with ourselves, Jesus may be king, but he's not the king on the throne over all of the dominions of my life and yours. He is yet to be the king on the throne over all the dominions of his church, where we are listening to him in everything and honoring him in everything and being obedient to him in everything. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done in your people. It is a prayer of humility, not a prayer of militance to change the world, except that he then has said to his kingdom people, go and make disciples. May his kingdom spread as we go and make disciples. This is a prayer for, Lord, make us disciple makers. It's not a prayer for us to try to force utopia. Understand, by the way, just make this clear. The kingdoms of this world are brought by force and power. The kingdoms of Jesus are brought by love and grace. And when we try to confuse the two, we not only are not effective, but we don't honor the king. First Peter chapter 4 says it's time for repentance to begin with the household of God. That's this prayer. Your kingdom come. Lord, may May you make us disciples who make disciples. Lord, may you lead our kids to know Jesus as King and to love you as God and to obey Jesus in all things. And may your church, may your 
followers, be the light of this world so the world will know that yours is a kingdom of love and grace and hope in Christ. Now that's a lot to chew off, isn't it? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Who can do that? Well, then he prays, tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. See, if you understand what you're praying when you pray your kingdom come, your will be done, you're overwhelmed. God, you're asking me, uh, my prayer is, do in me what, cannot, what I cannot do. Do in me what is beyond my ability to ask or imagine. So immediately that puts us in a place of, God, I can't do this. And so what's Jesus say next? Okay, you're overwhelmed by what it means to, to share Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be obedient to Jesus, to be completely surrendered to him, to take up your cross and follow him. Okay, so why don't you just pray for your daily bread? See, God, give me what I need today to be obedient to you, to make happen what you want to happen, that your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, notice that this is a prayer for basic provision, not for abundance. Daily bread. Reminds us of the proverb, Proverb chapter 30, verse 8, where the writer says, Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of the Lord. In other words, what do you need to accomplish to be able to say, Your kingdom come, your will be done? Lord, give me what I need now. Anybody need patience to endure what we're going through right now? Uh, boy, I, I don't know how much longer I can handle this, you think. Okay, Lord, give me the patience that I need today. Any parents feeling stressed about what you're going to do for your kids' school this fall? Worried about the decisions that you face and what they're going to mean? That can be overwhelming. But at least you can pray, God, give me what I need today to make a wise decision. Give me what I need today so I'm ready to make the wise decision when I need to. And then help me to trust that if I make the decision you're leading me to make, you'll provide for me what I need when the time comes. Anybody feeling stressed financially? Don't know how many times in my life I have prayed, Lord, I don't know how we're going to cover the costs in the future, but I thank you that you've provided for me the food that I need today. Help me to be wise today with what you've provided and to trust you tomorrow. Anybody feeling lonely or discouraged? Anybody feel like you can't live in this loneliness or discouragement another year? Well, God's not calling you to live that way another year. Can you pray, Lord, today? Today, give me my daily bread. Fighting addiction, what do they say? One day at a time daily strength. Lord, I can't fix my marriage. Okay, but today can God change you? God, I can't change my kids. Okay, but today can you be the godly parent, what God wants you to do? You can't go back and change yesterday, but today can you rely on him? Can't fix the world around me with all of its hate and chaos and sin, but God, I can trust you today to lead me. Then verse 12, he says, forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. An ancient Greek by the name of Apollonius is credited for praying a prayer of entitlement to his gods. He prayed, give me that which is my due. Pay me, ye gods, the debts you owe me. Well, that is not the prayer of the follower of Christ. We have a prayer of humility, not a prayer of God, you owe me. But the humble, the wise come to Jesus and we say, I am a sinner saved by grace. Lord, forgive me as I have forgiven others. By the way, there are two um, kinds of ways that we get into debt with God, with sin, right? There's the sin of commission and the sin of omission. The sin of commission is you knew the right thing to do and you, the wrong, you knew the wrong thing not to do and you did it anyway. Right? You knew it was wrong to cheat in the test, but you still cheated. You knew it was wrong to steal from your mom, but you still still stole. You knew it was wrong to swing at, at ball four that was over your head, but you still swung and struck out when you should have been standing on first base. That is a sin of commission. Then there's the sin of omission. That's the sin of, we didn't do anything wrong. We just didn't do the right thing that we were supposed to. This is the, remember the story of the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So the guy's beaten up on the side of the road and the two religious guys, the Levite and the priest, pass on the other side of the road. That's not a sin of omission. They didn't go and beat up the guy. It's the sin, I'm sorry, it's not the sin of commission. They didn't go up and beat up the guy. It's the sin of omission. I didn't do the right thing. James chapter 4, verse 17 says, so it is sin to know the good and yet to not do it. Dirty dishes in the sink and you pass on the other side of the kitchen. Dirty diaper on the baby and you pass on the other side of the bedroom. You get the idea. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it takes humility and some self-awareness to confess, Lord, I have sinned. I've wrong, I've done wrong. Forgive me as I forgive others. A better translation, by the way, is as I have forgiven. The idea is not if you is not that if you don't forgive perfectly, God's not going to forgive you. That's not the idea. The idea here is the person who really understands how much they've been forgiven by God is going to forgive others. And if you're not forgiving of others, if you're not gracious toward others, if you're judgmental and harsh with others, then you don't understand just how much God has forgiven you. And so I say, Lord, forgive my debts. I know how much I've had to forgive others. And I know my debts to you are so much greater. If your dad forgave you when you were a kid and you totaled the car, then what's going to happen when your son gets into a fender bender? Lord, forgive me of my sins because I know how much I've sinned. So here's my action question for you at this point. Who do you need to forgive? As soon as I talk about these things, do you think of somebody that you're struggling to forgive? Because you don't feel like that they're worthy of your forgiveness or for whatever reason. Are you ready to pray, God, I need your grace Help me to give them grace. 
And then after, after asking God to forgive us of our sins, our minds then turn to the opportunity for new sin. Two prayers fit together. You see this last and the next. He says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. How's that for kind of a splash of cold water in the face? The idea that, are, are you saying God would lead me into temptation? No, that's not what it's saying. It's more of a figure saying, um, God, I want you to deliver me. You know, God, keep me from, from un, um, t- temptation and trials. Actually, that word temptation can also be translated and un- understood trials. Lord, don't lead me into trials and temptations that are overwhelming. Deliver me from those. The point, again, is not... If you don't pray this prayer, God is going to lead you into temptation. Again, it's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer of saying, God, I am hopeless facing temptation without you. I am I'm weak facing trials unless you make me strong. Lord, as you delivered Israel from Egypt, Esther from Haman and the Persians, Daniel from the mouths of lions, So, Lord, deliver me. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. And if you feel that way, that's this prayer. Lord, take my hand. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. Not to temptation and trust. Lead me home home. And then somewhere along the way, some people in the church added this line, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Which is a wonderful way to enter, to end the prayer in a praise to God. Now, unfortunately, it's not found in any of the oldest Greek manuscripts. And so most of our more modern translations don't include that. But it's still a wonderful way to end the prayer with praise, focusing on God. Now let's walk through this model prayer one more time. Would you pray it with me as I pray it line by line? You say what you want to God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may your kingdom come in each one of us and through each one of us. Today, give us this day our daily bread. And Lord, our sin is always before us, so forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, trials, but deliver us from the evil one who would destroy us. What trials you face, what temptations you headed for.
And so, Lord, we would end in praise because yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There's going to come a day when we stand before you face to face. And on that day, it will be irresistible, undeniable, that you are great and greatly to be praised and our most exaggerated sense of your greatness will be so will be such an underestimation of who you really are. Father, walk with us today. It's my prayer through Christ. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. And if you found this helpful, I hope you'll invite somebody else. Share this with somebody else. Have a great day.